Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Have you ever considered that military veterans might be the best people to start a business? First of all, they know how to build and lead a team. They're not afraid to get their hands dirty, and they can handle the suck. Yes, starting and running a business is difficult, but veterans have experience in doing hard things. My guest today is Dean Bunchu. He is the director of Bunker Labs, an organization that helps veterans start businesses. As a company commander in Iraq, he learned firsthand how to lead people through difficult situations. And now he helps veterans start businesses. I'm excited to get his perspective today on leadership, entrepreneurship, and some of the success stories he's seen at Bunker Labs. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dean Bunchu. Dean is the National Ecosystem Development Director for Bunker Labs. Bunker Labs is a national nonprofit network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. They are dedicated to helping the military-connected community start their own businesses. He has been in the entrepreneur space since serving as an Army company commander in Iraq in 2003 and 2004. Dean has seen hundreds of veterans and military spouses start and run successful businesses. So I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about what it takes to start a business and why so many veterans are moving in this direction. So Dean, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Always good to uh, have the opportunity to be with you. Yeah, this is, as we mentioned, you've interviewed me before, so it's my first time uh, uh, interviewing you on the show. So I'm glad that you could uh, you could make it. Yeah, everything comes full circle, right? Absolutely. So start off, I was just interested in a little bit about how you ended up in the Army as an infantry officer, and eventually you ended up in Iraq as a company commander. So how did you end up in the Army as an officer? Yeah, I mean, uh, I come from a family where a lot of the uh, a lot of the people, including my dad, served in the military. So I think it was ingrained in me from the time I was born that, you know, service to one's country is uh, is a noble endeavor. Um, so, uh, honestly, I know my parents still share this story. I, I probably knew I was going to go into the army since the time I was probably about six years old. So everything I did going through high school, college, everything was geared toward having the, uh, the opportunity to serve the country in the army. So, uh, so I just kind of had that goal from a young age and, and lived it out. Right. Um, so was it ROTC that you went through? Right. I initially applied to, uh, the service academies. I looked at, uh, Annapolis and West Point. Um, Annapolis with the Marine option at the time. And I had my congressional letters and all that good stuff. And luckily, both of them uh, rejected me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I ended up getting an ROTC scholarship instead. Did one year reconsider going to the academies after like one year in college. But by that time, I figured out that uh, I could date in college. 
and I couldn't do that. With, so I was like, I think I'll stay in college or ROTC. Um, but that's, and that's, so that's how I ended up sticking it, sticking, uh, sticking through ROTC rather than going to the academies. Okay. So you, <laughs> as I understand your background, you came out of the military for a while and then you got called up for Iraq. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. I, I served five years active duty and, and, uh, from 97 or yeah 96 that's right may 96 to september 10 or september 1st 2001 um of course 9 11 happened 10 days later so i had a uh i was on transition leave 30 day and had a career lined up like most people up here in raleigh and 9 11 happened like three days later they called me up and said that uh my job offer was going to be rescinded because the company was going to do layoffs so i was like great (laughs) so wow so uh, I actually ended up signing up for the National Guard. I had a great battalion commander. They put me on like back-to-back six-month ADOS orders. So I did like a year of active duty and got out again. But uh, but I, it seemed like I could never get out of the military, right? Because in uh, January 6, 2003, I got called up off IR. And uh, yeah, I told PERSCOM, Human Resource Command, whatever at the time, if you're going to activate me, like activate me to go do something and I had already been a platoon leader at the time, went through CAS Cube, the advanced course and all that stuff. So um, I got slotted for a company command and then served in uh, 03, 04 in Iraq. Um, wow. First year of the war, crossed the berm, all that fun stuff. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, how if, if you think about um, your time in the military, how did that affect you in terms of your leadership? And, and how did that establish some kind of foundational principles for leadership? Yeah, you know, I mean, my I always tell people, like, um, I've never considered myself the smartest person in the room, but I think what my gift is, is my people skills. And obviously, those people skills translated well, and with the military kind of helped do more than anything, is just kind of turn some of those people skills into, like, real leadership skills, right? So, and I mean, I was super fortunate. I remember all the way back when I went through Army Basic and Advanced Camp, um, Sergeant First Class Brian Morrissey who uh, who I later served with at Fort Carson when I was a platoon leader there. He was the NCO of the year when he was at Fort Carson um, when he was a first sergeant. And just uh, having him as my my platoon sergeant in boot camp, that was like the first, you know, real <laughs> yeah. exposure to what like an actual leader looked like. Um, and obviously having someone who later became NCO of the year, you can imagine the guy was absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Um, and uh, having the opportunity to be a part of like that boot camp experience where you watch someone like him take all of us young, you know, 19, 20 year old kids essentially and turn us into a functioning cohesive team like that right there was a lesson unto itself. And of course, you know, going the officer path, you know, you learned rather quick that the backbone of the military is NCOs. Yeah, so, that's absolutely so true. That was one of the first, you know, I guess when you talk about military leadership, exposure to someone who, who did it the right way. <clears throat> um, so I think I was very fortunate to have that experience very early on and be, uh, you know, lead mentored. And really I adopted him as my mentor because I served with him for four years at Fort Carson and you know, anytime there was any kind of situation I was uncertain of, I would always go to someone like him, you know? Mm. So I was lucky to have, to, to, to have, to have that throughout my first four years as a Lieutenant in the army. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I was interviewing a um, chief petty officer on my show early, early when I first started the show. And he said that uh, the chief is the backbone of the Navy. 
And what he said was kind of interesting. He said, we're not the head. We're not the brains and the smarts. We leave that up to the officers <laughs> and we're not the, we're not the hands and feet. Uh, we, you know, that's, that's the, the enlisted men, the sailors. He said, but we're the backbone that connects the, the head to the hands and the feet. And I thought that was a really good analogy of what a Navy chief does, which is similar to a senior enlisted in the, uh, in the army. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then, uh, I guess the other piece of that too is, you know, one of my other mentors still to this day is Colonel David Sutherland. So, and he was my battalion commander there. And now he runs the uh, Dixon Center, uh, as part of Eastern, Easter Sills, which is their veteran. Um, you know, the, the, the portion of Easter Sills that supports the veteran community. So mm-hmm. even when I was thinking about, you know, starting a nonprofit and going down this path with Bunker Labs, not only was he a great leader in the military, but, you know, just his overall leadership across the veteran space. So it's, it's just, uh, it's one of those things when you talk about different people throughout your life, um, being like that kind of guiding light, having folks like that and being exposed to those really good leaders, I think is kind of what helped shape, shape my, my leadership background. Interesting. Um, yeah. And I mean, more than anything, when it comes to them, I mean, the thing that stood out was the fact that uh, both of them were very much lead from the front. None of, neither one of them would do anything if they weren't willing to do it themselves. Mm. I think too often, you know, when I've been exposed to bad leaders, you know, it's often the ones who get to a certain point in their career and feel, feel like they don't have to get their hands dirty anymore, right? So <clears throat> it's those leaders who continuously get out there in the field and get their hands dirty, you know, um, and right. keep their keep their keep in touch with, you know, everyone down to the privates. Um, it's uh it, those were some of the examples of folks that did that, that I yeah do. i think you're i think you're right and i think as we talk we get into more of the entrepreneur space and talk about what it takes to be a leader in a, in a startup yeah. um you know if you're not willing to get your hands dirty you're in the wrong business because uh yeah. leader leadership in a startup is an interesting world and uh you have to be able to be willing to uh dive in and and pretty much do every every job in, in the business. If you want to be successful. Yep. Chief janitor, right? Chief janitor, but Hey, I, <laughs> I own a business. I clean toilets. So I know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, you, when you, when you left the army, um, you kind of quickly moved into the entrepreneur space, um, in, in all the different functions you, you served and eventually land, landed at bunker, bunker labs. But why was, uh, the entrepreneur space, the startup space, what was so attractive uh, to you, uh, when, when you came out of the army and you saw this sort of, there's all sorts of different career paths you could have taken, but you really seem to gravitate towards the entrepreneur community. Yeah. I think like most transitioning veterans, like I didn't even know what the word entrepreneurship was when I was in that (laughs) transition process. Um, but I think also a lot of veterans would be familiar with organizations like, you know, Bradley Morris and Lucas Group and, and yep. Ryan International. And, you know, you go to those groups because that's what everyone else is kind of doing when you're getting out so that they can help, you know, place you with opportunities. Um, so I followed that path and it happened that Orion, you know, is headquartered here in Raleigh. Um, naturally, it's run by two veterans, you know, Bill Lachlan and Randy Nelson. I think you know Randy because he's a submariner too. Yeah, they actually they placed me in my first my first job out of the military was uh, Ryan placed me there. Uh, so ah, they, yeah, there, yeah. There, there, yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it was fortunate for me because I went to that first hiring fair and Orion, you know, I had it in my mind that I was going to go mid-level management, Fortune 500 company, you know, that kind of career path. Mm -hmm. And Orion actually met me. And of course, they were working on me to fix up my resume and all that good stuff. And they were like, you need to be in sales. And I'm like, 
I'm not sales. And they're like, yeah, you're sales. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yes, you are. So come work for us with sales. And I'm like, well, if you say so, I'll give it a shot because I walked into the, you know, a job and I didn't have to go through the whole process. So they, they hired me that day. Um, and that was fortunate for two reasons. One, I think as an entrepreneur, like understanding sales, you know, is, is uh, really is important. a key component, <laughs> you know, entrepreneurship yeah. in a lot of ways. But I think more importantly, it was the fact that once again, I adopted, you know, Bill and Randy as my mentors. Um, and I watched them continue to grow Orion. And then ultimately, you know, they sold Orion to Center Partners, a big private equity firm. Both of them did exceptionally well. Um, and when I worked for them for two and a half years, I said to myself, Jan, I'm your number one sales rep and I'm making you guys rich. Um, how do I become rich, <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, and honestly, that was it. You know, I, I'm just kind of driven and I watched those two and I was like, uh, inspired by what they did, you know? Uh, but I also learned, you know, hard work because like we talked about getting dirty, they built that company out of their basement. Yeah. Um, so, so th when you talk about why I went entrepreneurship, it was because I, uh, you know, I was inspired by two veteran entrepreneurs. Um, and that, that led me to, uh, to, to, to say, Hey, you know, I want to be just like you. And, and that's kind of what got me going down the entrepreneur path. Excellent. Excellent. That's great. I didn't realize, um, that you work for them. I mean, I knew you were with Orion, but I didn't know you worked with them so closely. So that's pretty, that's a great opportunity. Yeah, it, it, you know, it was it was really beneficial because as someone in the sales side of the house too, I mean, I had clients all across the country in all different kinds of industries. So just that exposure, mm -hmm. you know, getting out there and seeing all those different companies, I mean, taught me a lot about all kinds of different industries too. And it also convinced me more than ever that I didn't want to go work for any other company and that maybe I should think about doing my own thing at the time. Nice, nice. <laughs> so. That's great. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you're our natural salesman. I've seen you at Bunker Labs. So I think it's, uh, it's uh, good that you're over there. Let me, let me just switch gears a little bit. Yeah. So what is, cause I, a lot of people listening to this may not know about Bunker Labs and what mm -hmm. you do. So can you explain a little bit about who Bunker Labs is, what you do and what you're trying to do across the country? Yeah. So Bunker Labs national nonprofit, and uh, what we do is help veterans, military spouses, and other members of military connected community start and grow businesses. So um, concept for Bunker Labs really was born uh, just six years ago. Um, you know, initially it was started by individuals like Tom Connor, Navy vet, you know, up at 1871 with uh, Bunker Incubator. Um, and Todd, like many of us, you know, just wanted to figure out a way to better serve veteran entrepreneurs in his community. Um, and at that same time, you know, there were several of us around the country that were saying, hey, what, what can we do to better engage veteran entrepreneurs in our communities? Um, so around the same time, he was like kind of planting a flag up in Chicago. I, I started a local group here called uh, Startup Veterans. Um, and it just so happened that in a couple other communities organically, like this started to happen around the country in places like Washington, D.C. and Austin, Texas. And funny enough, several of us happened to collide at a Patriot boot camp in 2015 at Chapel Hill. Um, and I think then that's when we all started saying, you know, we're kind of all doing this in different communities around the country. Like, how can we how can we best support each other, you know? So, and Todd kind of had the vision at that point. He never, he'll tell you, he never expected it to be bigger than the Bunker Incubator 1871. But I think he felt that same momentum 
um, and said, hey, what can we do now to take what we're doing in these communities and and do it like in every community across the country? Um, so, you know, since that time, six years later, um, we are uh, we just launched our 39 chapter last week in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, we got two more on the docket this year, so we'll be up to 41, 41 chapters across the country. Um, so um, it's been amazing just to uh, to see what's taking place in terms of not only the, the veteran entrepreneurs, but I'm telling you, like a couple of years ago, many of these cities didn't even have ecosystems. And now to be, you know, kind of at the forefront and be able to help lead some of these ecosystems with veteran entrepreneurs is incredible. So I think it's only going to get bigger and better over the next couple of years. Uh, that's really cool. I know, you know, for me, I'm here in Raleigh and I've really enjoyed connecting with other entrepreneurs, connecting with other CEOs um, that are doing what I'm doing. And I tell you, they're, they're, I, it's invaluable to me um, having you guys there as a resource. So it's, it's, um, I've met so many great people. I've heard so many great stories. I mean, um, I mean, Bunker Labs is doing some amazing stuff. I know here in Raleigh, and it sounds like across the country. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, um, I mean, of course, Raleigh and everything we do here is very near and dear to my heart. Um, and it is because entrepreneurship, I mean, ultimately, entrepreneurship still, still is in, a, in many ways local. Um, but now it's really interesting to see how we're planning these flags in places like Raleigh and Charlotte and Wilmington and then, you know, across the region and across the country. And I think the next step is, you know, not only leveraging the local connections, but helping connect these entrepreneurs and communities across the country. Because I know like when I was an entrepreneur at Prep Champs and I started my first company, um, it was difficult enough to establish a network in your backyard um, and then tap into that network, for example, for funding, because, you know, we were doing fundraising. Um, and then trying to go outside of your community was uh, was 10 times harder. So now, you know, being kind of at the forefront of ecosystem development and mapping the ecosystem in each one of these communities, I think, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are going to be better equipped than ever, which, believe me, it's that's going to be super important as we, you know, look to rebuild the economy over the next several years. No, I agree. I think the people that are going to re rebuild the, con the economy are entrepreneurs. And I think, um, well, I was going to switch gears a little bit. I think one of the things that's interesting is, um, you know, I see a lot of veterans, you know, going into an entrepreneur state space, uh, in startup space. And, you know, I mean, just, just your observation of the past six years, what makes, you know, veterans, military spouses, people that have this military background, what makes them kind of uniquely qualified to get into startup businesses, get into, you know, entrepreneurship? Yeah, I, you know, I think we're going to need to, you know, show even more veterans that this is like a viable path. Um, because the reality of it is, is like veteran hiring, as you know, and veteran unemployment's always been higher than the, the civilian unemployment, right? And now you have the unemployment rate that we have. Um, so I think it's going to be far, far, far more difficult for veterans to, to seek out those opportunities that were available before. So in a lot of ways, I believe that the only option is going to be entrepreneurship. So planting that seed as soon as possible is absolutely critical. And I think the easiest way to do that is just like with me is uh, is pull these people into this network as quick as possible so that they could see what's possible. Because, you know, like veterans are like, show me, you know. Um, so having and once again, having that inspiration, having those leaders, I think is going to be is going to be critical so they could see people like you and people like 
you know, Deshaun, who we talked a little about in her company, Southern Elegance Candle, and what's possible. Um, but the bottom line is, I think what veterans don't even realize is how well suited they are to entrepreneurship um, because of because of the military. It's something I touched upon earlier. I mean, the bottom line is like entrepreneurship is about building teams and like who's better at leading and building teams than veterans. Um, and then the thing that's really stood out to me is just, you know, perspective, like having served in Iraq, when I got back from Iraq, everything, when it came to like business and entrepreneurs, I always said it's, it's easy compared to what mm-hmm. we did in the military. Right. Um, and for a lot of people, I think that go into entrepreneurship that aren't veterans, like they don't know how to oftentimes handle, um, you know, the grind. So, and, you know, veterans, like who's better equipped, who's been in the suck and the mud and, you know, had to put the one foot in front of the other. And everyone thinks like entrepreneurship's glamorous because they hear those glamour stories. But as you, I think you said, you have to be willing to do everything and to get your hands dirty and to be the chief janitor in addition to the, you know, CEO. Um, And when you talk about hands-on leadership, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, veterans are willing to get their hands dirty. And when they start these companies, you know, they, they do lead by example. And I think, you know, as the, they, they grow and the organization grows, you know, being able to say, hey, you know, I, I was the janitor and I did all this um, is something that, you know, comes natural to a veteran. I, and I just don't think like for a civilian entrepreneur that didn't have that experience, like some of that stuff comes natural. Um, yeah, I think uh, I would say this, that it's, um, you know, when you start a business, I mean, pack a lunch, uh, you know, I see, right. I see, um, you know, stuff on Instagram, you know, it's got a picture of a guy with a fancy car and a private jet and it says hustle, you know, that's all I got to do is hustle. I'm like, I've been hustling for years. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, you know I, it's, it's I tell funny. people it's the only career path. I mean, you got to be real about it too. Of course, the upside's incredible. And a lot of times, you know, the flexibility is great. Um, but the reality of it is it's the only time you go from like, you know, working for half the pay twice as long. Right. So um, because when you're building a business, you're going to have 80 hour weeks, you know. And uh, so, yeah. which, um, you know, it's funny going back to what you just said about, you know, coming out of the, coming out of Iraq and, and everything you've done since then seems to be easy. I actually write about that in my new book is, is that's what I found when I came into the business world after the military, I kept thinking, when does it get difficult? This seems pretty straightforward. I get to go home every night. I'm, I'm, I'm home on the weekends. I mean, this is, this is, I was living life. I was loving life, you know? And I think, I think when you've had bad things or you've gone through some tough times, it gives you a perspective that's very uh, unique. And so everything else seems to be easier after that, you know? Yeah. You know, Nick, you know, well, who works yeah. in Bunker Labs, he always says, yep. Did I, did I get to see the sun sunshine? I get to take a shower today. Did I get to eat three hot meals? Cause yeah. if I got those three things, <laughs> everything else is easy because when I was in Iraq, we rarely got to see all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? So it, I think the perspective is, is a big piece. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Deep leadership is brought to you by peak demand. Peak demand is a veteran led manufacturer of products for electric utilities. They help utilities keep the lights on. 
Building and maintaining the nation's electrical grid is hard work, but getting the critical components to keep it running shouldn't be. Peak Demand's products ship in just 24 hours, where most other suppliers can take up to eight weeks. Go to peakdemand.com and learn more about the Peak Demand difference and request a free sample. Deep Leadership is also brought to you by my Amazon best-selling book, I Have the Watch, Becoming a Leader Worth Following. This book is filled with 23 short stories on how you can become a more effective leader. Learn how to unleash the power of people with this easy, practical guide. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and click the large orange button for signed copies. Enter the discount code DEEPLEADERSHIP, one word, at checkout to get 20% off your order. And domestic shipping is always free. As you look at some of the businesses you've been watching over the years, um, what are what are some characteristics you've seen, or maybe maybe some some stories of, of leaders that have done a really good job growing their business? What what are, what are the things that are maybe consistent with the people that are successful? What are some of those things that you've seen, or maybe there's even some stories about um, businesses that have done really well that started from nothing that you've been able to see over the last six years. Yeah, we just talked about, I know you had on your podcast earlier, but Deshaun Watson, you know, Deshaun Russell. And, uh, you know, the, one of the things that stands out more than anything is, is the consistent persistence, you know? So I think a lot of, a lot of people when they become entrepreneurs, especially in our society nowadays, you know, it's everything wants everything to happen now, you know? Um, and, you know, as an entrepreneur, we always say like everything costs ends up costing twice as much and takes twice as long than you expect. And I think like the people that don't succeed, like don't realize that they, they give it a shot and they don't have instant results, you know, and then they just shut it down or move on. Um, and the one thing I've seen more than anything else, you know, from the, the veteran entrepreneur community in particular and the military spouses that, um, are a big part of that community is that consistent persistence. And what I think that 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 translates to as well as resiliency. Um, you know, the last six months, I just wasn't sure because, you know, so many businesses are shutting down around the country. But it's been in, incredible because, you know, I'm getting out there in our veteran residence program and interacting with, you know, hundreds of entrepreneurs and all these communities across the country. And I think it's that the fact that no matter how difficult things have got, like these guys have figured out a way. And I think the other key thing that has stood out too is, you know, we always say like no plan survives first contact. You know, everyone thinks again, you got to have the best plan in the world when you're an entrepreneur and if you stick to that plan, but the truth of the matter is the best entrepreneurs know how to pivot quickly. Yeah. And I think because we have to react to con contact in the military. Um, and oftentimes when you cross that friendly forward line, that, that op order like goes right out the window I've seen it in action here. All these entrepreneurs over the last six months when COVID hit, like, you know, that plan that they were following, the ones who just killed it, threw it right out the window. Um, and a great example of that to me is like Stuart Scheller. He's a Marine recon guy. Incredible. He's a lieutenant colonel who's about to become a battalion commander. Mm -hmm. And he started a company called The Perfect Ribbon while he's been on active duty, you know, and he's... I don't even know how you find the time to be like Marine, MARSOC, battalion commander, running a business full time and making all kinds of real estate investments and everything else, too. But, you know, like anything, his business hit hit 
hit a rough patch because he sold retail out of like AFES and everything like that. And they all shut down. Mm. So he pivoted not only to online, but he took all his equipment, saw right away, like within the first week that masks were going to be key, you know, and he uh, he took all his laser printers and reconfigured them to make components for all the masks mm. and then wow. kept kept his revenue like at pre-COVID levels because of that pivot. So like, like, I don't know. I don't know if an entrepreneur who wasn't wasn't a veteran would have like done something like that. You know what I mean? So I uh, I point to people like him and Deshaun who used to like be storefront. A lot of her revenue came, but not only did she get you know hammered by COVID, but her storefront got destroyed. You know when some of the rioting happened down in Fayetteville. Yeah. You know, but it forced her to like double down on online. You know and. And now, geez, oh man, she made over a hundred some thousand in revenue, like in a month. So her business has just grown exponentially. It's been insane. Yeah, that's it's um, really exciting, and she's fun to talk to. And and she has that, you know, consistent persistence. I think is. is is definitely in her blood, in her DNA. And I think that's a great way to describe it. I think, um, you know, my journey has been one of just every day you know, pressing through. And it seems like every day something's wrong with the business, right? I never seem to get everything aligned right. You know, I got orders up, but I'm out of inventory or I've got, you know, you know, I've got uh, uh, too much, too many orders or not enough orders or, you know, it's, it's never a balance or, you know, I, I get orders grow. I need cash. I'm out of cash because, because the orders are growing. And it's just, it's always something when you, uh, when you, when you're as an entrepreneur and you just have to be able to deal with whatever is going to be what you face that day, you've got to get over it. You got to get through it. So. Yeah. I think that one other piece that I just add to that too, I think one of the things that I've noticed quite a bit about a lot of the good entrepreneurs is the one, you know, military, you have to be both strategic and tactical. You have your strategic plans, then you have to be Mm -hmm. able to tactically execute, Yeah, you know, you have to be able to do both and think about like in the civilian world, that's just not often the case. A lot of times you have like the pure tactical guys who are like great managers and great workers where you have like the strategics who can kind of guide an organization. But when you first start a company, like you, you have to, you have to strategically plan and be able to tactically execute. And I just think, you know, veterans obviously are are really well equipped to do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's, that's exactly what, what you have to do on a regular basis. Cause you don't have an army of people around you to, to, you know, think, no, oh, I, I got a strategy guy over here. I got an operations guy over right. here. You're, you're it. You're everything. Right. You know, and, and cutting the yard, uh, when it gets long. So right. <laughs> around our property. So, <laughs> so what are maybe some of the biggest surprises you've seen in the past six years with, with companies? Any, any big surprises that, uh, that you, um, I don't know, which is really notable, like whether a business really took off or one that you thought was really well positioned and then never went anywhere. Yeah, this I mean, I I like pointing local examples sometimes. I think, you know, Spiffy is a great company. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, And Carl Murphy. And I remember when I first met uh, Carl at uh, a Bull City Venture Capital, uh, their, their annual like. Um, the state of venture capital conference. And, uh, and literally he was, you know, just starting Spiffy. Um, but you talk about being able to see the big picture. Like I love his story because he, he came out of the military and he bought a couple car washes. Um, and around that time, he just saw an opportunity because he, he was intuitive enough to pick up on the whole Lyft, Uber, Airbnb. 
Um, and he was like, you know what? I could just make money off these car washes or I could create the Uber for car washes. Um, and literally he came and spoke to our first cohort. And now I think he had just maybe raised his first 500,000 or he was about to. Um, so, and now you look at Spiffy and I, what they've raised like 30 some million. I think mm-hmm. they're in like, yep, 20 different, 20 or 30 different cities all across the country. Wow. Yep. And then I watched them even through COVID, you know, some of the things they've done to pivot um, have been incredible. How they went from primary B to C to figure it out B to B and, you know, going into corporations and then getting the corporations to offer as a perk. So you go to companies and see, you know, the spiffy parking spots, you know, and so the employees get their car washed for free because it's an employee perk. Um, I just think, you know, he's textbook and I talked to him a lot about that and he credits totally being an army infantry company commander with, um, with the fact that that resentless, consistent persistence, the standard operating procedures, the continuity, you know, the systematic approach, um, all that stuff. So I, I think, you know, looking at him in this community, that's textbook for someone that started out with car washes and now turned yeah. it the nationwide Uber for car washes. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Yeah. It's a great story. Great story. Like your business just growing like crazy. So, yep. And I mean, he is just uh hard charging, you know, really, really strong leader. And, but more importantly, when you talk about leadership, like that guy built an incredible team, Um, you know, and, and he brought Scott Wingo on board and, you know, Scott has sold multiple companies for like 500 plus million, you know, raised the ungodly amount of money, took Channel Advisor public. Um, and Scott got him to be the CEO. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, Carl got Scott to be the CEO. So it's just incredible. Um, what, what he's done, um, with Spiffy. So, and you know, the other, the other great example here locally, I think you probably heard him speak at our muster is, you know, David Morgan with bandwidth, um, Mm, you know, crazy enough, the day they went public, they ran, they rang the opening bell on bunker labs, ran the closing bell on NASDAQ. And I just thought that was awesome with David being a Marine. Um, another entrepreneur that's just built an incredible company. And I think they sometimes run underneath the radar. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, because that's that company just announced that they're going to be hiring when everyone else was tanking during COVID. They announced that they're hiring 1,400 more people. Wow, um, wow! So, and he is a um, a phenomenal leader who gives back to the community as well. So look for him, them to do more and more great things here for not just with bandwidth, but I think for entrepreneurs throughout you know Raleigh and the veteran community as well. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. <clears throat> So one last question before you wrap up, you know, you talk, we talked about the characteristics of being leading a startup company. What in general, your experience with the military and in business, what are some characteristics of a great leader in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, it's something I touched upon a few times. You just delete, you can't, you can't, you absolutely cannot underestimate the the lead from the front. Um, you know, and uh it, you know, the quickest way to lose the trust of the team that you're building is to, to, to not to not want to get your hands dirty. So, you know, even at Bunker Labs, I think one of the most important things, you know, is, again, with 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 41 communities all across the country, it, it's getting out there and actually really getting to know each one of your people. Um, and I think, you know, that's another thing when you talk about just leadership in general, it's it's actually really understanding what motivates because every single individual is different. And I think, you know, the really good leaders who know how to like 
you know, not build teams and motivate teams. You know, I remember one of the worst leaders I had in the military said, do you know what leadership style you need to have? And I was like, no. And he was like, mine, you need to emulate my leadership style, you know? And, uh, and I was like, that's the worst advice I ever heard because (laughs) the the fact that it's like one of those things to not do. Um, so I think, you know, a really good leader actually understand, needs to, to understand like how to motivate what makes people tick. Um, so really getting to know all your folks is key. And I think that's at least my experience with the leaders I had in the military. Those are the kind of people I had. So that's one of the big, biggest things that I emphasize to people. Um, because, uh, you know, although we've emphasized how you have to start out doing it all, that's you have to do that to start the company, but to scale and grow a company, you have to be able to build a team. Because when you talk about entrepreneurs who I haven't seen succeed, it's those entrepreneurs that for some reason think that they have to continue to do it all. Um, yeah, and I've seen some great entrepreneurs with great ideas mm-hmm. who maybe even are doing okay that absolutely don't trust people enough to build a team around them. And I just see them squandering what could be huge opportunities. Um, and sometimes the business fails for that very reason. So on one hand, it's the team, but it's the other hand. I mean, on one hand, it's the leadership and the need to be able to do it all in the beginning. But then it's also the ability to step back, reassess, figure out where you have gaps as you grow and then bring the right people on and then lead and motivate those people to scale. Yeah, I agree with you. That's um, I see that a lot of times where entrepreneurs get stuck is that they they've always done it themselves and they can't they can't let go of having control of everything and that they don't let they don't they don't hire the right team and great people underneath them that that'll grow it and continue it and um, and I think that's a problem. Um, but uh, yeah, I know from my personal experience, it's always been about the team. The team has been what has delivered everything that we've done so far. You know, I've got an amazing team. It's almost like, you know, we go up against $40 billion companies every day, $150 billion companies every day. And um, they have a, they have a land army. I say, well, we have a SEAL team. We have a very talented, small group of people that can do amazing things. We're just not very big right now. So, you know. But that's a beauty about being sometimes a smaller company is you have less bureaucracy. You could be far more agile. So, yeah. and that's exactly what you did. And you run circles around your competition. And, so. and we have during COVID we've, we've grown. I mean, uh, we're 33% above last year and just kind of growing in the middle of a, you know, global pandemic. So I think my competitors have sort of let, let their guard down and we've been able to just kind of grow. So uh, my, my little company is growing. So. Good, good to see that against the big guys. So yeah, I know I I I've seen how, how much you guys grown over just since I met you, which I think was like two years ago. Mm. So uh, yeah. you, you you are definitely one of the entrepreneurs I point to as another one of those great examples of of veteran entrepreneurs doing great things here for uh, not just this community, but I think for the overall veteran military spouse community with the book you did and these podcasts and everything else. So definitely leading the way, man. Yeah, thanks. Well, we gotta keep gotta keep teaching and sharing, right? <laughs> to <laughs> I help agree. the next uh, next generation of leaders is what I want to do. So, so what? Uh, so what's? Uh, how can people connect with you? Find out more about Bunker Labs and what you guys do. Sure. So, um, one of the easiest things to do is if you have the opportunity, check out uh, Bunker Labs dot org, um, and Bunker Labs dot org is kind of the hub kind of points you in all the right directions. But, um, you know, I think folks, when they get on there, they can see where all our chapters are located. 
And uh, and if you, if they take a look at whatever chapter is closest to them, they'll, they'll see who the local city leaders are and all the emails are listed so they could connect and reach out to them. Um, naturally, the schedule for all the events, once we start ramping things back up, both virtual events and live events, you know, are kind of housed there. Um, and then I think the other thing I always tell people, you know, we've really, really put a lot of um, energy and effort into building our online presence with the Launch Lab Online, which is like an introduction to entrepreneurship. Um, and then the Bunker Labs online community, which is kind of like the the place where people who are interested in entrepreneurship can plug in and connect, you know, um, online, almost like a Facebook for like veteran entrepreneurs. Um, so those are all all great places. And then naturally, if, if anyone uh, ever wants to reach out to me for anything, I'm happy to help out in any way. Um, my email is dean.bunchu, B-U-N-D-S-C-H-U at bunkerlabs.org. Okay, sounds great. I'll put uh, links in our show notes uh, for all those uh, resources so people can reach out to you, find a local chapter, see how they can connect. And just a curious question, what if you're not uh, in the military community, you're not a veteran, you're not a military spouse, um, what what way can you, is there ways to help Bunker Labs or help support Yeah, Bunker that's Labs? a great how question. Is, how is that uh, done? Yeah, I mean, we highly encourage, you know, we I've always said like the worst thing you could do with like, you know, any veteran is just keep them isolated among veterans because part of the transition process in general is that they integrate yeah. with the civilian population, right? So, you know, I it, we have all kinds of amazing just entrepreneurs and other different leaders in different industries that participate in Bunker Labs um, who just want to give back, um, you know, and support entrepreneurs, like you said. So it's highly encouraged that anyone out there who supports veteran entrepreneurs um, get involved. Um, and then there's a myriad of ways to do that. It's mentors, potentially, if they have a you know product or service that's valuable to veterans, um, all that good stuff. Um, as you know, when we do all our bunker brews in person, there's all kinds of people, you know, throughout this community. And I, the reason why I think, you know, our communities thrive is because in the, uh, the communities at large are really embracing veteran entrepreneurs. And that's, that's important. Okay. Very good. Well, um, so if you're not in the military, you're not a veteran, you're not a military spouse, you still can get involved with Bunker Lab. So check them out and uh, see what you can do to help, uh, again, grow this community of uh, entrepreneurs and uh, people coming out of the military, military spouses. So it's a great organization. I know I'm involved. And Dean, I really appreciate everything that you've done for me. And I appreciate you being on the show and sharing all of your wisdom. I think you shared some great stuff. And I've got some notes here. And uh, I mean, I really do I'm kind of keep thinking about consistent, uh, per, uh, consistent, persistent. I really like the, I like that concept of just being consistent with your persistence. So love that. So. Well, right back at you, man. So thank you. Thank you for having me today. It's always, uh, it's always good to connect with you and it's always good to, uh, like you said, hopefully, uh, hopefully inspire and be able to equip and connect, uh, the next generation of, uh, veteran entrepreneurs. Uh, that's great. So I appreciate your time. Yours too. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.